This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We have been studying the, um, the book of, of Jonah. Uh, we started last week and we are continuing through this month to take a deep dive look into the life of Jonah to understand what God may be saying to us as a church out of his story. We remarked last week that the thing that most of us know about Jonah is he was the man that was swallowed by the fish. But we also talked about the fact that there is more to Jonah's life than one experience, just like there's more to your life than one experience. And Jonah has a lot to say to us this, uh, in this study, a lot that we're going to get into over the next several weeks. Last week, we talked about Jonah's reluctance and his prejudice toward people that were not like him and how God hates prejudice, that prejudice is the way that we view people based on our assumption or our judgment over things over which that person may or may not have any control. And we talked about how Jonah looked at the Ninevites as if they were not worthy of God's grace, while at the same time presuming that he and his family were very worthy of God's grace. And we talked about the fact that we all need God's grace and none of us can take credit for the grace of God that we have been given that we are saved by God's grace. And so today I just want to go that next step. I'm going to ask a couple of things. I know it's getting warm and I know that it's easy to move around because we're outside and I'm asking you to, as much as possible, limit movement because I believe that this could be one of the most important messages that I've ever preached and I wouldn't want anyone to be distracted and not hear what God may be trying to say. So I'm asking that from you. I won't be long, I promise. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I want to give glory to you for what you're about to do. The setting is a different setting. The environment is a different environment, and yet you are the same God, and your word is the same gospel. So Father, I pray that there would be an unusual ability now to focus and that our distractions will be limited and that we will allow the Holy Spirit to say into us the things that He wants to say. I'm believing you, God, for that today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a big amen. That was a weak amen. Let's say a big amen. That's better. Thank you. I'm calling this message what repentance does for us. Because I think that there is a very understandable assumption that chapter 2 in the book of Jonah is about repentance. I, I've even preached that. I've, had, I've read after people this past month. A lot of people assume that chapter 2 is Jonah repenting. And that's the way that it would seem, except if you really look closely, it's not as if Jonah repents. It's if, as if Jonah reaches a place where he simply decides, I can't fight you anymore, I'm going to do it your way. 
Because eventually he's going to go to Nineveh and he's going to preach, but he doesn't want to. And he's going to fuss at God in chapter 4 and say, I didn't want to do this from the start. And he has that same prejudice we talked about in chapter 1. So I'm saying to you that Jonah probably did not repent in the fish. And here's the reason that I say that. Because repentance actually means to turn and go in a different direction. It means that you confess your sin and you forsake your sin. Well, Jonah doesn't do that. He may confess, but he's not willing to forsake. And it's not repentance unless you are willing to confess and forsake your sin. And so I'm saying to you that when we think about repentance and what God wants to do in us, it is not enough to tell God that you are sorry. Sometimes we, we want to say, well, I just tell God that I'm sorry. But if you tell God that you're sorry and you don't change what you're doing, it's not repentance. I think the problem for some of us is that we're sorry that we don't get to keep doing what we wanted to do. And that's not repentance. And that's what Jonah's doing. He's saying to God, I can't fight you anymore. And my man Jonah, he fights every day, doesn't he? He fights with God in chapter 1 by running away. He fights with God in chapter 2 by saying that I can't fight you. He fights in chapter 3 by saying I don't want these people to get saved. And he fights God in chapter 4 by saying, I'm more deserving of grace than all of them anyway. He's a fighter. And that's what we do. When we don't like what God has said, when we don't agree with what God is saying, we fight it. And we fight it for one reason. And it won't be comfortable, but it's the truth. We fight with God because we think we are smarter than God. We think that we know better how to live our life. We think that we know better how to decide the direction of our life. And so when we look at Jonah, chapter 1 ends with this phrase, and God caused a great fish to swallow Jonah. And the end of the chapter says, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish Three days, three nights. So that's the context. That's what we're going to talk about. The three days and three nights that Jonah is in that fish and what he's dealing with. So I want to offer you three things, just three, and we'll be done. Number one, I think that when you read that, those eight verses, there's just eight verses, 161 words. It takes 29 seconds to read it. When you read those eight verses, you discover these three things. The first thing you discover is what I call the depravity of our sin. That Jonah recognizes that he is a depraved person. Now, it's important to hear what I'm saying, that Jonah thinks his issue is with the Ninevites, but his issue is with God. And that's the problem that some of us have. Our issues are with God. Our sin is against God. 
Our problems are not with our neighbors. Our problems are our relationship with God. And when you get the relationship with God right, everything else comes together. Jonah doesn't, uh, Jonah doesn't seem to be willing to do that. And he, he spends his time talking about the depravity of sin, but he never accepts the fact that he's responsible for his own sin. You know, I remember several years ago working with a couple that were going through a, a season of, of one partner was in, unfaithful to the other. And when I was talking with the, one of the spouses, they were railing on me about some decisions that we were, we were making regarding their leadership in the church. And she wanted to blame me as if it was my problem. And I said, I say this respectfully. We didn't make the decision that your husband made. We didn't choose the path that your husband chose. It's so easy sometimes for us to blame other people. But here's the truth. We are sinners. We are depraved human beings. And if we are left alone without the grace of God, without Calvary, there is no telling what we would do with our lives. We sit here in a cloak of righteousness because we have served the Lord a long time. But if we ever got away, if we ever stepped out from under the protection of God, what would happen to us? It's very easy sometimes to be judgmental about other people and say, I would never do that. But we fail to appreciate that if it were not for the grace of God, that's who we would be. That's who we would be. That's what our life would be. It would be depraved because of our sinfulness. And I need you to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that every one of us are sinning every day. Because I know that among here, there are people who faithfully walk with God every day, living righteous, holy lives. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that if God is not in control, if the Holy Spirit is not leading us, we are susceptible of the most grievous of sin. Only by the grace of God, only by the mercy of God can we be covered. Here's the second thing. It's that insufficiency of our attempts to be better. The insufficiency of our own attempt to be better. Have you ever done this? Have you ever looked at somebody and said, well, you know, my sin is serious, but it's not as bad as her sin. It's not as bad as him. Thank God I'm not as bad as him. Or, or maybe you, you say, I, I know I don't need to drink this much. I know I don't need to do this, but I'm trying to do better. I need you to hear me say this. You can't do it on your own. You cannot save yourself. You cannot redeem your life. If you don't invite Jesus into your heart, if you don't confess your sins and forsake your sins, you cannot beat the game of sin in your own life. It is insufficient for us to try to make sure that we do it better, that we can somehow be better. And I know we've talked a lot about new believers and we have a number in our room in, in this space today, in this parking lot. 
And I'm saying to every one of you what I've, all, I've said all to you personally. You cannot do this without Christ. You will not be able to live without Christ. You'll not be able to walk the walk of faith without Christ. Every day, every day on your knees saying, God, I can't do this without you. I have to have you. I've got to have your strength. And then a relationship that understands that if I don't get it right today, I come back to God at the mercy seat and I say to God, I'm sorry for what I did. I, I need you to forgive me and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God will forgive you and God will cleanse you again and you can start over. Because the devil is a liar. I'm going to say it again. The devil is a liar. He will tell you God won't forgive you. That's a lie. Every time. Hear me? Every time that you tell God you're sorry and mean it, he'll forgive you. Every time that you ask for forgiveness and mean it. Now remember what I said. You can't just say, God, I'm sorry. You've got to mean it. And you've got to be willing to move in a different direction with your life. The insufficiency of our attempt to make it better. Here's the third and final one. It is the enormous cost of God's grace. I think it's selfish of us to think that it did not cost something for us to be saved. You saw Matt and Katie a moment ago being baptized. They got saved last Sunday in the 11:30 service at the end. And they came forward and we began to talk about what it meant to be a Christian. And I explained to them what I've explained to many, many, many new believers. That in the Old Testament, they went to the temple every year and they offered a sacrifice for their sins. Depending on their ability, they either offered a bird or a, or a goat or a lamb, or whatever it was. But whatever they offered, they took that lamb and they slayed it and they spilled that blood. And that blood was the atonement or the payment for all the sins that they had committed that previous year. But it didn't change their lives. It did not make them different people. It just made them forgiven. And God sent Jesus Christ to be the ultimate sacrifice Jesus Christ came not just so He could spill His blood for what you did in 2010, but for every sin that you have ever committed and every sin that you will ever commit, the blood of Jesus Christ was spilt. He was the atonement, the payment once and for all. There will never again have to be payment. Nobody ever will have to die Again, because Jesus has already died for your sin. There was a cost, an extreme cost. And so when we come here today to this place and we sing these songs about salvation and we rejoice in the Lord, may we never forget how much it cost for our salvation. It cost Jesus His Son. It was His commitment to save us. 
He wasn't satisfied that we would stay in the condition that we were in. He knew that we would never be able to overcome our sinful nature. And so here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the greatest verse in the Bible. It's the most powerful verse in the Bible because it describes the incredible cost that God paid in order for you to be saved. But not only for you. And I want you to hear this. I feel the presence of the Lord. I know God's talking right now. Jesus Christ did not come into this world to just save people like you. He came to save every person in the world. He didn't just come to save good people. Jesus came to save murderers and rapists and housewives and students and drunk drivers and divorced single moms and dads and wayward kids and drug abusers, addicted people, white-collar executives, busy mothers, rebellious teenagers, whosoever will believe. Because you may be sitting here today and say, well, preacher, I'm not like those people. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what kind of life I've lived. You don't know what it's like at my house. No, I don't. But the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for every person in this world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. The message of salvation today is not a white message. It's not a black message. It's not a Latino message. It is a human message for every resident of Lake County, every Ohio person, every American, every European, every African, every person in the world. So let's finish. Jerome will be ready to play. I want to read you Jonah's testimony in verse 6. Jonah says this, I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, my God, you snatched me from the jaws of death. That's my story. Locked up in my sin. Locked up in my feeble mind that somehow I could break the cycle of sin in my life. But I couldn't get free. I tried and I tried and I tried, but I couldn't get free. But you, oh God, you snatched me from the jaws of death. You pulled me up from my sad condition and you made me the person that you wanted me to be. Amen. 
I was studying the other night, late, and I penned these words and I said, how many of us here today could finish the sentence like this? Back there I was so messed up, but God freed me. I thought I would not be able to make it, but God helped me. I was down to my last chance, but God rescued me because that's what He does. He rescues sinners. He rescues sinners. People who are lost. That's who Jesus rescues. I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I sometimes worry that in my excitement you might miss the point. But if Jesus Christ were in this township today physically, now I know His presence is here, but if Jesus God's Son was in this township today, there is a strong possibility He would not have come to this service. Not because He doesn't love us, not because He wouldn't enjoy the fellowship, but because He has more important business. Jesus Christ would be finding sinners. He would be looking for the woman whose husband beat her up last night. He would be looking for the man who was so drunk he didn't know how he got home. He would be looking for the guy who's contemplating a criminal act in order to find the drugs that his body's craving. He would not be here singing with us. He, he would be out there holding the hand of the man or the woman who said, I can't do this anymore. And he would say, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'll help you do this. I'll help you make it. So I think that I'm rethinking the way that I talk to sinners. Because I think that like you, I've been guilty of trying to make salvation too complicated. It's not that complicated. You take the letter A. You accept that you are a sinner. You take the letter B. You believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son who died for you. C. You confess your sins and you tell God you're sorry. And if you're sincere when you pray that prayer, God saves you every time. Every time. Because that's His business. That's why He died. Was to save sinners would you bow your heads please close your eyes right where you are and I know it's a strange environment sitting out here in the outdoors it doesn't feel the same but it is the same God's presence is here God's presence is among us for some of you sitting here today God's been talking to you 
not a doubt in my mind that God has been talking to some of you that you have to make a shift in your attitude and in your mindset because the direction that you're going right now is going to lead you to an outcome that you don't want. You think you do. You think you want to do it your way. And God is warning you one more time. If you keep going the way you're going, it will not end well for you. And He's offering you the opportunity to make a change. Maybe you showed up today because you were invited and you've never made a public or personal confession of Jesus Christ. It's just as easy as I told you. And if in your heart you believe it's time, you're ready to make that choice, you say, I don't know what that looks like. Well, neither do I. And neither did all these that were baptized today. It's one day at a time. It's one journey, one moment at a time. Trusting God every step of the way. But you're ready to take that next step. Then I'm ready to help you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. And here at our church, we all pray it out loud because we want to give you that cover. But we're going to pray it out loud. But here's the point. The words don't mean anything unless... You're serious and sincere about what you're saying. But if you are, God forgives you. So as we pray these words, you pray them as, their own, as your own. You pray them sincerely. God will hear you. God will forgive you. And if you find yourself in a condition, maybe you serve the Lord. Maybe you were serving God, but you've stepped away. You've picked up some old habits. You've picked up some things that you know you need to stop doing because they're taking you in the wrong direction. Right now, right here, this moment, confess. Tell God that you're sorry. Make a commitment to go in a different direction. Pray this prayer. Pray this prayer with me, please out loud and make it as loud as you can. God, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry for my sins. I believe you will forgive me of my sin. I believe you will forgive me of my sins. So I choose Jesus. So I choose Jesus. that prayer and you meant it and God just saved you he just forgave you there's some next steps there's some next steps for you to take and I want to help you do that I want to help you take those next steps so if you prayed that prayer I'm going to encourage you when Dustin Pastor Dustin dismisses us grab a friend Walk down here and meet me. Let's talk about it. Grab a friend. Come down here and meet me. Let's talk about it. I believe God wants to help you live the life that you are supposed to live for the rest of your life. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.
Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.